With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Hello, Wizards fans. Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. As always, I'm your host, Matt Moderno. Seen some reporting come out this week that the Wizards might be looking to make some moves here. They obviously need a point guard. They could stand to move up in the draft, potentially, if they have the assets to do it. All those are sort of interesting things that are on the table. And we've seen some reports that came from Quentin Mayo specifically about uh, whether the Wizards are going to be able to move up to trade for the fourth pick with Sacramento, potentially take Jaden Ivey, who they're purportedly really interested in. Uh, could they also make a move for a veteran point guard like Shea Gilgis Alexander or Malcolm Brogdon or DeJounte Murray? All sort of interesting things that might be on the table here. Quentin has a great Substack, a newsletter that you can find on his social media. He posts all the links to it every time. Uh, really interesting stuff. And and this particular one has the whole set of reports that he's heard. You know, I, I think this was an interesting enough thing that we figured, you know, rather than talk about his reporting, why not go straight to the source and get Quentin on here? If you're not familiar with Quentin from his time at NBC Sports Washington covering the Wizards, he also hosts the Quentin Mayo Show on Blue Wire Podcast Network. Does a great job, just really interesting and compelling stuff. So, uh, yeah, we thought this was a perfect time to get Quentin on the show, and he was nice enough to do it. So, in a minute here, you'll hear from Quentin, and we'll get into the kind of the meat of those, you know, those rumors that are flying around. So, it should be interesting stuff. But first, a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEF, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, I think let's get straight into our conversation with Quentin. Okay, as I mentioned in the intro, we've heard a lot of reporting this week about potential people Wizards could be interested in trading for, and the man responsible for those reports, Mr. Quentin Mayo himself, is here to talk about them. Uh, Quentin, thanks for coming on, man. Not a problem. Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, it should be uh, should be good. It's an, an exciting time to be a Wizards fan, which we can't always say, so uh, yeah. this, uh, this should be good. Uh, all right, let's just start right out of the gate here. Come strong with Jay Nivey reporting. For any of you not familiar, Jay Nivey's a 6'4 athletic guard out of Purdue, and apparently the Wizards are very high on him. Can you shed some light on this for us? Yeah, so this is, it kind of came out of nowhere. I remember when, you know, Washington, even pre-lottery, kind of knew uh, it's going to be hard for them to move up in the draft. And you see that they still ended up getting that 10th overall pick. And initially when that happened, it's like, I was hearing move back, move back, move back. Like they're probably just going to move back, try to get some more talent um, deeper in the draft because, you know, 10 is a, is a wonky spot. And then as things progress and you start to meet these guys and bring them in for for workouts and talk to agents and, you know, meet these and take these guys to dinner, you start to grow a little affection for some of these players that you come across. And that has been Washington with Jay Nivey. Now, it's a weird it's a weird time of year because. All the top prospects or most of the top prospects, you don't really know what they're doing and where they're going. Like Benedict Matherin, who has he worked out for? Guys like 
Shaden Sharp, Jaden Williams, Paolo, like all those top 10 guys kind of want to move a little discreetly. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, this happened maybe a couple of days ago. I got a call and I was like, yeah, they they really like Ivy, like really like him. I'm like, Washington doesn't do this. Like Washington's not the trade up team. Like we've we've covered this team for long enough to know like they're. There's always a talk about a big swing, but the big swing never comes. Like, even when you look at, like, the Kristaps acquisition, it's like, it's not really a big swing. I mean, if you could turn Davies and, and Spencer Dinwiddie into maybe a guy who's a unicorn who can stay on the floor, like, that's a decent-sized swing. But this is something that's sort of abnormal. So I did some more poking around, and it, it had some legs to it. They really like Ivy. They need a they need a guard. They need a point guard. Now, one knock, I guess, on Ivy is that, you know, his point guard skills are still a little rusty. Uh, if you go back and watch some of that Purdue tape, like he's super athletic. Everything that you can say about, you know, young Russ and young John Morant, you can say about uh, Jay Nivey, but he still has a lot of ways to go in the playmaking department. And But it seems like with his top in talent, Washington is willing to, you know, maybe sacrifice, not even sacrifice, but bring him along slow, slower in that process as a ball handler. So they really like him. They're talking about trading up for him. Now, what's the cost, though? Um which is the huge question because you you kind of go back and look, okay, well, they didn't want to get rid of Denny or Rui for Sabonis. And then even if you did, you got outbid by, of course, Tyrese Halliburton, which it's no shame in that. Yeah, Halliburton is a great yeah. basketball player. It makes yeah. sense. Uh, but now it's kind of like, okay, you get to the offseason, you look at Rui is up to get paid here soon. And you look at Denny, was like, okay, I like Denny. He played every single game last year and showed really elite level defense at a young age, especially coming off an injury we might actually have a few things that some other teams may want. Um, so I think it's just the competition of who they're bidding against now. Um, Kuzma is a player who might be the, that might be the guy where that sets you over the top. I, I find it hard to believe, especially with the other teams that are mentioned that you can get up to four without Kuzma, sure. but I know they really like Kuzma. Washington does. So it's, it's a, it's a weird game to play, but they do love Jaden Ivey. And um, I mean, you heard Woj last night also bringing the other suitors too. like this. This really has legs. And we're what, six days away from the draft. So it could get very busy here. So on a personal note, how cool is it to have Woj confirm your reporting later in the day? Right. That's pretty cool. You know, it's uh, everybody knows uh, my journey in, in on the Wizards beat. So like when you when you have something like that and you, and you finally, you know, are able to put it out. And also timing is so huge, too. Like that piece took me maybe 48 hours to write. And I told myself I need to get this out ASAP. Um, it took me 48 hours. And luckily, like, you know, fast forward 10 hours yesterday, then Woj comes out on the night show is like, oh, this is and I was like, oh, thank God. I didn't wait to to put that out before I had it. So or before Woj got it. So it does feel pretty good. And it's just like a lot of hours and a lot of phone calls. It it feels a little, little refreshing to see some of your reporting and your stuff pay off. And that's the inside baseball for folks, right? It, it, it's kind of that balance of being first, but also being right. And, right. and when you can get the sweet spot of both of them, that, that that's pretty awesome. Absolutely. Uh, as you mentioned, he came out with the other teams, Detroit, uh, Indiana, New York were kind of the ones that, that got mentioned. I'm just not sure like the Wizards can beat those guys out. You obviously talked about the guys that they could include there. Mm-hmm. Based on that, how realistic do you think this is for them? Like not even just that they could make an offer that beats those other guys out, but they would actually pull the trigger and do what it takes to get it done. Yeah, it, it's 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 a good question because when you have something like this in Wizards Twitter, in the Wizards sphere, it's so abnormal that you kind of want to believe that if they are doing this, that they can pull it off. Um, but like you said, those other teams have a ton of other assets. Like, like imagine if New York really wanted four. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, can you really can you really stand in the way of like what if they wanted to get rid of what if they came off a of manual quickly? Or what if they said, you know, that's gonna have Obi Toppin and Mitchell Robinson? Like, you know, there are so many guys, everybody on that Knicks team is pretty much a really good get, especially if you combine a few for mm-hmm. what Sacramento wants. And we know that Sacramento's just plaguing all these teams against each other. Like, oh, you you like that? Well, Washington's willing to give us Kuzma. And we really like Kuzma. So how about another first round pick? Like you have to play that game. But in terms of the reality of it, ah oh, man, I would probably lean probably like I feel like a 40% confidence that they can get this done, which is closer to 50. I mean, that's, that's cool. I mean, a lot of things can happen between now and, you know, draft night, which is next week. So I have a a decent amount of confidence because I just know how they view this off season. Um, They're still looking to, to add real talented players. And I think if you look at this in the grand scheme of things, like a lot of people are on the side of like, you know, rebuild, blow it up, young guys, trade bill, we'll get the most for it. Let's go ahead and rip the bandaid off. And then the other side is like, well, Bill is probably the best player we've had in a very long time. If we're going to go all in with him, we might as well give him all the talent that we possibly Mm -hmm. can. But I think for both sides of the argument, you know, if you do trade for Jaden Ivey, let's say, you know, Bill in that relationship in Washington does sour within the next year or two. And you do have to move on. I think you can still get a ton from dependent upon how he performs in the next two years, but you could get a, a good amount for a all NBA basketball player. And then you look and you say, well, we traded X, Y, and Z for Jay Nivey to pair beside Bill. But if that didn't work out, at least we have Jay Nivey um, who we hope can be the future guard combo guard uh, moving forward. So I think if you are to sacrifice, you know, some of the talent that you have now to acquire that top four guy, which is a real, that's supposed to be a game changer everything after that is sort of like hit or miss, then, I mean, why not do it? Why not do it? Especially if you look at the point guard market this offseason and you say, well, unrestricted free agency is not really kind to us. Well, more so we're not kind to it because we don't have the money to really acquire any guys this offseason. Or we want to trade, but we really want to give up this for Brogdon, who hasn't played more than, you know, two seasons of 60 or more games. Or Mike Conley, who's on the other side of 30-something, even though I like Mike Conley. So it's... It's a it's a good uh it's a good it's a good game, but hey, I, I like Ivy a lot. And if you have an opportunity to take advantage of a team that Ivy does not want to go to, then why why not see what you can do with that? You hear GM say like if there's a guy that's the top of your board and you have a way to get him, you go out and get him. And go get you him. Do, you go with takes. So and with that, I'm sorry to cut no, you please, off, but with please, that, please. I I put this in the Substack yesterday. That quote from Tommy back yeah. um in April when he said, you know, Jerry West, when I first took this job, he he told me. You know, you go get talent like mm-hmm. you. You just have to you have to take that risk sometimes if you like a guy enough. And from what I'm hearing, they do like him a ton. Uh, so that just fits up into the same ballpark of what Tommy Shepard, you know, it looks like holds close to his heart as a, as words of advice and uh, from another very respected guy, of course, throughout the NBA circle. So um, it, it goes against the, you know, uh, I don't know if we'll have a rookie starting at point guard comment that he did make, but. If, if 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 you feel that strongly about a guy, I, I can't imagine for the crowd out there that thinks Ivy's going to come in and not start like that. Ivy's going to start day one like he has to. They, they haven't been shy about starting rookies post Troy Brown Jr. So <laughs> right. I, I don't think that that's, um, you know, if he's the most talented guy considering who they have now, if they also got a solid vet, then, then maybe they bring him along a yeah. little slower. But just looking at their roster, it would be hard to expect that he's not 
Who's at taking least, his minutes yeah, at exactly. point guard? Me? You? Like, Ish. What, 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 yeah. Ish Smith? And I love Ish. Ish, but. Ish who doesn't even like to start games, you know, so. Uh, right. He's going to take totally, a potty break first. Yeah, exactly. You got to do what you got to do. Uh, you mentioned that they're high on him and that there's there's been a kind of, a, you know, they've gotten a little sweet on him in the last couple of weeks, but I haven't heard anything about them bringing him in for a workout or interviews mm-hmm. or anything like that. Not that. I'm incredibly well sourced, but I, I do know enough guys in sort of the draft community that that usually are pretty plugged in yeah. when these workouts and stuff happen. So is this meeting with him somewhere on at another workout? Is this just Zoom calls? Like yeah. what, any sense for how they've kind of built that relationship, I guess? That's exactly where my mind went first when I when I got that. I'm like, well, have they brought him in? Have they worked him out? So if if you like a guy, well, what do you like about him? What has changed? Because it's not like Ivy just came on the scene in the past few weeks like no this is a guy who's been projected to go top three top four mm-hmm. you know for since the beginning of the, the basketball season for the NCAA so what has happened like like I alluded to earlier is just this is a tricky time of year so you're not gonna get as as much as I would like to you know say the NBA is transparent and these teams are transparent and Washington is one of the few teams that continues to give out their workout schedules to the media mm-hmm. some teams don't do that uh, some teams just have to wait until reporters gets a scoop and says oh, hey, so-and-so stopped by today. Or you go and check a guy's Instagram. I'm like, oh, I didn't know he was working out with Utah today. Uh, let's let's go ahead and put that. So it's just, it's it's weird this time of year because agents don't want their guys going to the wrong situation. Too much publicity. Like they're really trying to control narratives and, and destinations, which is I think one thing that's with Ivy. I can't say 100% they have not brought him in and worked him out. I can't say 100% that they have brought him in uh, and worked him out. Like this is, this is just what it is. I think, and I've asked a few guys and and people that I know within the Wizards organization, especially some guys who, you know, work really closely with their draft, um, their draft workouts and and all that stuff. And just the total evaluation of the big board that when I hit them up, like, yo, Ivy, they hit me back. It's like, Oh, really? I I didn't know that we had, we hadn't seen them. Or so, you know, we, we, I, I don't think that doesn't I don't think that means they haven't met with him, though. Yeah, exactly. I think they just haven't maybe brought him in for a workout in that magnitude or also like a guy could be in, you know, the West Coast. And a weekend thing is like we don't bring, you know, the training staff in for weekend workouts. Teams typically do. That's when they have off. So, you know, Tommy and them might have hopped on a PJ or something and went out to L.A. or went out to Indiana to see him work out. And maybe it was a group setting where the agency put something on. So exactly. you never know. You never know. But I, I think the way in which they're talking about him um, and the way it's displayed to me uh, and, and, and relayed to me, something has had to happen where they're like, I really, really, really want to get this kid. And now a team that has showed resilience to or, or maybe a little cause for pause to get off of Denny or Rui. Now those guys are in the conversation. That's that kind of signals some things like, oh, okay. If you're willing to move off of the, mm-hmm. we know how the inter- international market does for Washington. Sure. Um, if you're willing to move that, especially with maybe a trip to Japan coming here soon for mm-hmm. uh, preseason basketball, then this must be something you're really serious about. If we're to believe the Adam Sandler movie Hustle, there's all kinds of secret workouts that take place <laughs> at high school gyms and whatnot leading up right. to the draft. So naturally, they could have very easily done something like that. Um, right. I'm mostly kidding here, but you never know. I, I'm with you. I, I think there's probably some amount of either like a an agency pro day that we didn't hear a lot about mm-hmm. or or some kind of meeting. It's interesting. You can usually tell from these GMs track record, like how much they actually value these workouts, especially the individual ones. Cause I know yeah. Jaden Ivey's not competing against a bunch of second round picks in a team or a group setting. So no, 
the wizards traditionally, I, I can't get a feel for how much they value workouts. Like we didn't work out Rui. We didn't work out Kispert, but they liked Duarte who they worked out. They liked right. Todd who they worked out. So, uh, you know, any sense for how meaningful that is to them actually? I, I, I'm with you. It doesn't, I think I put this tweet up a couple, maybe a week and a half ago. And I'm like, you know, who's the last player drafted that they worked out? It's everything seems to come out of nowhere. I mean, even when they drafted Denny, it was like, they didn't even know how to pronounce his name when they, when they made the phone call. So you can't tell me you brought the guy in and worked them out. It's just kind of like it. I think Washington a lot of times where they draft uh, their position in the draft causes them as of late, at least to fall into some picks. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, you know, if you don't think a guy is going to be within your range, like a Denny or maybe a Rui think they're going to go higher. It's kind of like, Oh, well, what's the point of bringing him in when we, we have some bigger fish to fry or also the way they kind of view um, the draft in general, they're not a trade up team. This is a stand pat team or trade back team. Like that's just, it, it is what it is with, with Washington. So a lot of times it feels like they've been kind of caught off guard. Like, Oh, the rest of these teams don't like Denny. I thought Denny was going to go top five. Let's take him here and let's just hope for the best. So that's kind of how it feels. So that's why I look at the workout list and I'm like, man, they're bringing in this guy or a Kenjo's in and he might be a decent pickup. Like, I think they care about the workouts more so for your later round guys, like some guys that you can really get a better feel for their personality. How are they going to fit within the culture, the locker room? Are they hard workers or how do they finish through workouts? I mean, of course, you got your Dyson Daniels who comes in and your Tata. You still have to have your due diligence, but I think it's more to figure out some of the the guys around the fringe area, maybe form a relationship for unrestricted or uh, undrafted free agency market um, after the draft. Say, hey, we took care of you. We brought you in for a workout. You only had three workouts. Your agent loves us. Like, hey, you know, throw us a bone and maybe we'll put you on the go-go and then maybe you'll get a shot. So I feel like it's more valuable to that side of uh, of evaluating and scouting than it is for at the 10th pick. We're looking for this guy right here and we worked them out. So we love them. I'm totally with you. We've seen a good amount of carryover from that list of guys to summer league rosters and things mm-hmm. like that. I remember Armani Brooks from Houston a couple of years ago was a guy they worked out and then he showed up on the summer league team. So that, yeah. that totally tracks. I think one thing I'd add there too, is just the wizards aren't necessarily uh, interviewing or working out guys that are kind of projected to go above them, but teams also probably don't want that. If your guy's projected to go fifth right? and Washington's not usually a trade-up team, what message does it send if you work out with guys, you know, with, with teams with picks 10 through 15? So yeah. uh, that makes a lot of sense. Trying to solidify my guy as a top five guy. I'm not sending my medicals to the Wiz. Why would I do that? Exactly. I'm not trying to be here. I'm sorry. And I, I can understand that. I can understand that. This is, uh, as we've alluded to, kind of smokescreen season. You know, we heard a lot early on maybe that there's um, the trade back is more likely. Now we're hearing trade up. Yeah. Is there any possibility that this is that the Wizards sending out a smokescreen to make their 10th pick more valuable to somebody who wants to trade up for it. It's definitely possible. It's definitely possible because like, like you said, this took a, a turn and, and you do have to question it. You got to get out of the excitement and say, what changed? What mm-hmm. changed? So it's definitely possible that this is a smokescreen. Um, but when have we seen, not to say that it's every, every year has to be linear in terms of how a team uh, addresses or approaches uh, the NBA draft. But when have we seen anything like this with, with Washington is also something I would ask people to consider. It's just not, not in their character. I mean, it's not like Tommy Shepard is like, has his feet to the coals and, you know, his job is on the line. If last time I checked, he just got an extension and That's a new right. title. I mean, I'm tired of having to type ba- president of basketball operations and general manager. And every time I'm talking about Tommy Shepard, way too long. 
Yeah, it's it's way too long of a title. So with that being the case, it's not like he has to do this now. He might be trying some different things this offseason to kind of maybe he's more in the in the flow and the groove of being a GM. And, and now let's play the game. Uh, it's possible. It's possible. I think. But if you look at this draft in totality as a, as a team, uh, a rival team uh, around the league and you say, you know, 10 is 10 is not like I, I don't know how much you how sexy you can make the 10th overall pick. I mean, either you either you you like that that pick so much and, and or you don't. I don't think there's much smokescreen to blow for that. Like, oh, Washington. Want, I, I don't know if that if I believe in that, if they like a guy in this not saying that Tommy and the guys are such straight shooters that everything that they say is law. But I think I think this real has like more legs of we really like Ivy. Then let's try to inflate the value of this pick and see what we can get back uh, from some other teams who are also interested. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the other piece of this, obviously, is is the notion of trading for a more veteran guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have in here Oklahoma City's Shea Gilgis Alexander, San Antonio's DeJounte Murray, Indiana's Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. Any of those names stand out to you as more realistic than the others? Oh, absolutely. It's it's the last guy you named with with the Indiana Pacers. And 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 naturally you look at just the timeline. I mean, if if we're being honest, if he didn't get paid last season, he's probably not on this team now. The only reason he was not able to be moved is because the deal was so new he couldn't be moved prior to the deadline. Yeah. So he just doesn't fit the timeline for them. And they haven't been shy about saying we're shopping him and Miles Turner. I mean, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report just mm-hmm. uh, put that out again. I feel like we've been reading that story since last off yeah. or the, the deadline. And now here we are. So I think, of course, Brogdon is the. He's the the most likely uh, candidate. You don't have to give up a ton for him as well. I've seen a lot of people who tweeted at me and say, you know, I don't mind Brogdon. The injuries, they do concern me. But, hey, this guy is he's a pass first guard. He plays he plays defense. He can get you a bucket. He's a vet. And he's also not going to cost us everything in the pantry. And I think that is what most I think maybe that's what a lot of fans value more so than anything is. I would like a point guard. But it's not like we need some like superstar point guard. We need a guy that's better than Spencer Dinwiddie post ACL, better than Ish Smith, you know, year 18,000 in the league. Also, you know, six foot one. Like we just need something better than that. Um, and without emptying out the cupboard, I think Broughton would be a great fit. So, I, I, of course, I pegged him at number one. I think um, from what I've heard, DeJounte Murray is one player that they really don't think they can that San Antonio is going to is going to allow them to get them mm-hmm. get him from them. Yeah. And uh I love DeJounte. I think he he's he's the finest player of maybe the three that we're talking about um in terms of what the Washington Wizards need. I um, mean I love SGA too. That takes I'm not t- trying to take anything away from him. Um but with DeJounte, I think he waited a year too late. If yeah. you wanted DeJounte, you probably should have asked for him last year and really tried to make a push because once he got that all-star beside his name and on basketball reference, the price tag is a little bit different for an all-star point guard, especially at his age. Um, and then you look at like the lack of off the floor issues. Like the guy just, he just goes to work and you go to, you talk to San Antonio fans and writers, they have a really strong culture of like the Spurs way. Like this is a Spurs guy and he is a Spurs guy. I mean, even when, you know, the, the season ended, he's already recruiting Zach Levine to his team. And like, he really cares about winning in San Antonio. It seems not that it can change. It can't change. Um, but he seems to really like it there. From what I've heard, they're not too high on the ability to get him from San Antonio. Um, but with Shea Gilgis Alexander, so it's a little more, 
It's a little more reasonable because, number one, he's not an all-star. Mm-hmm. Um, you haven't seen a ton of basketball from him, but you've seen enough to where you know he's really a really great player, possibly great player, but really good player. Still some room to grow, yeah, still but some already room good. To grow yeah. In a bad situation. Uh, well, not a bad situation, but like it is what it is. They're, Does they're he the fit same. their timeline? Is the exactly. Question ask, right? Exactly. Um, and, and it always... It always is a question with how Presty drafts as well, because it's never like Presty's drafting for need. He always just wants the talent. And you look at Josh Giddy and you're like, hey, man, if if this is if this is a guy who could be our primary ball handler and we can mm-hmm. maybe kick the can down the road of having to pay Giddy opposed to you know the SGA price tag. Why don't we do that? So I think he's a little more available than DeJounte for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Then again, though, you have to ask, you know, what is Washington willing to give up for SGA? I think him and Brad you know, paired with if Porzingis is still here, if you have to let him go to get him, I don't quite know. It's a a lot of options, but I think you can have a nice combination of youth, talent, and size, which is something that, I mean, you can't really say for this team, especially at that guard, the lead guard position. Anywhere on the perimeter. Anywhere on the perimeter. I mean, Brad is 6'3". Six, two and a half. Like people don't kind of understand that him and John Wall were one of the shortest backcourts. They were talented. One of the smaller backcourts to play at that level. And KCP, um, one of the start, smaller starting small forwards. Exactly. Exactly. So um, we'll, we'll see. I think, though, if you had to rank them, it's it's Brogdon in terms of availability. SGA in terms of like the number one on my wish list. Uh, that that's actually a feasible uh, acquisition. And then it's DeJounte like mm, probably not. But at the end of the day, you have to look at Washington and say you're dealing with two very sound front offices mm-hmm. and and general managers in organizations to where they haven't had a lot of well, the Spurs have had a lot of success, but not super Presti, recently, like, yeah. right? Not super recently. Presty knows what he's doing, and he's not just going to get finesse. Like he's not going to give up Christian Wood for scraps. Like that's just not what he's going to do. The same thing with the Spurs. Like the best we could do is give you Davies per times because we know we don't want to have to pay them and you guys will pay them. But they're not just going to give you DeJounte for nothing. They're going to make you work for it. So it's it's Indiana. You know, you might have a little wiggle room. They're the new regime up there and Brogdon's on his way out. So that's probably how I rate all three of those guys. I asked Tommy something at the deadline, too, about the deals that didn't get done. And he made a comment that there were a couple that got left on the table. There were teams that they talked to where things didn't necessarily materialize and that Mm. they would look to the offseason to see if any of those things could kind of, you know, jump get jump started again, basically. And we heard there was uh, some conversations at the very least between him and Kevin Pritchard, the Indiana GM. So that maybe points to a little additional smoke for the the uh, Malcolm Brogdon rumors, like obviously they yeah. weren't going to trade for Brogdon at the break, but I'm sure his name came up at some point or they've talked about that kind of guy. And it's clear he he's got a line to Pritchard, you know, um, so yeah. that that's the one that makes the most sense to me. Also, I'm with you on Murray. You know, at the time they had Derek White still. There was another guy that they were kind of not sure which one would kind of leapfrog the other. Mm-hmm. So I think we've missed our window. Um, the other name that's come up is Mike Conley for Utah. Yeah. I know you like Conley, but. Can you see that? Is that realistic? Have you heard anything about Conley? So Conley is interesting. I've 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 kind of pitched this to guys who I, I trust in the organization. I'm like, well, what about what about him? Or mm-hmm. you guys, you know, are looking for point guards. What do, what do you think about this guy? And and Conley definitely came up. I think the thing with Conley is his his price tag uh, in comparison to his production. Now, if you look at his numbers, it's not going to be like, oh, my gosh, this guy is terrible. I mean, he played a, solid. I, I want to say he played 70 games last mm-hmm. year, and I could be wrong, but it's kind of surprising because Conley gets his like old man knock. I think he gave you 70 last mm-hmm. year. Um, so he's he's going to pass you the ball. 
He's not going to make it. He's not going to make a lot of mistakes. He's a vet guy. He's been around a ton of basketball. He just plays ball and goes home. And I think that's one thing that Washington, obviously, as a front office from the top down, really appreciates is guys who don't give us too much drama off the floor and are constant professionals. That's even how they try to draft high character guys as well, um, let alone bring in uh, via trade or free agency. So I like Conley. I just think he's making a little too much money. Is a little too rich for for Washington right now. Um, but I think he would add a ton. I, I don't think he's going to take your he's going to take your ceiling up astronomically, but his floor is. I mean, at the at the very least, you're getting competence at the point guard position from a guy who's done it a ton, seen a bunch, really, really wily veteran. He can draw fouls. He can still get to the free throw line. I think Conley has a good amount of basketball still mm-hmm. left in him. I just uh, I don't know about the the price tag is what scares me the most. But I would be off. I would be all for it if they if they could find a way to kind of fit him in. But do you want to have a let's say a future um, with your cap tied up with? Conley, Porzingis, Bradley Beal, and then moving forward, uh, Kyle Kuzma wants an extension. Like Kyle Kuzma wants an extension now. I'm heard that he, they had his agent and Tommy Shepard have had talks about a contract extension, you know, to end the basketball season. So when when Kuz was kind of sitting out and not playing basketball games, but he's healthier, and everybody's like, "What the heck is Kuz not playing basketball for?" It's because he got a little birdie in his ear, like, "Hey, we might be able to work some numbers out for you." Now, if I was Kuzma, probably will wait until next off season to really try to get my extension because this year you get a full season. You you've been there before you're going to be featured offensively because we know what you can do. I think you probably get more money next year, but mm-hmm. I, I had someone text me yesterday with like a mock trade package that included Kuzma. And I was like, I think they want to keep Kuz. And the text I got back from him was once Kuz gets the money, people will turn on him. Kuzma is loved right now because he's only making $13 million. But start 25. Kyle, yeah, once it's 25 and you're like, oh, Kyle Kuzma actually doesn't dribble too well. Or also, <laughs> he doesn't defend every single night. Like, it just it happens when you get paid. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of how I feel about that. It makes sense. Like You look at Conley's age. Like, he's still pretty good now. I'm with you. It's what does the back end of that deal look like if, let's say, Brad doesn't come back at 100% of Brad. Right. If uh, KP can't stay on the floor, if Kuzma doesn't take the kind of full time jump we expect him to take, your books are pretty bad, you know, pretty tied right. up on on a not so great team. So that, that would that would scare me too. And then look at the look at it like this. So Washington also would be tasked with trying to get off of another inflated contract of a guy who was past his prime. And now at, at that point, you're just taking back anything you can get for a player like that. Like it, it would be rough because if this all of this experiment does fail and let's say they did bring in Conley or even if they brought in Brogdon, sure. like at one point, if you want to hit the reset button, what are you selling all Porzingis for if he doesn't play a full season? Like you're not, not going to get anything for it. I mean, the last thing you the last value he's valued at Spencer Dinwiddie and Dobby's Bertans. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as you like to believe in his ability, it's still valued at Spence and Dobby's. That's the market for him. So at some point you. You might have to offload a lot of these contracts and, and it would put you in a bad situation Have all these old guys past their prime and injury prone that you have to be like, all right, well, let's hit the refresh button here because you don't really have anything to spin it for. So I think they want to get they want to get younger, but they also want to get older, but not too old, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I, I think this is a don't get stuck being the one holding the grenade situation. Yes. Like KP had minimal value, but they could still sell themselves on. Well, it was a bad fit. Let's give him a new start. If it doesn't work out here, it's likely because of another injury or something, and he has Mm -hmm. even less value. It's the same thing for Brogdon. It's not like Brogdon's going to be suddenly a bad player. So if he doesn't work out, it's it's probably injury or some other reason. Now he has even less value. So 
that's why I think I've kind of sold myself on if you're going to trade for one of these guys, go all in on someone that is at least still valuable as an asset. They might exactly. cost more, but at least you could do something with them later if you need, you know, have to tear it down or whatever. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, the other one I want to ask you about here, Shaden Sharp. If he's available at 10, do we think there's any window where the Wizards might at least strongly consider that? Oh, man. I would. I know for me personally, I would. I would. But in the same phone call that I had about Jay Nivey, it, there was a little there was a little sentence slid in there about Shaden Sharp because I asked. I said, well, you know, who who do they like and, and who who maybe could you draft if you stay at 10? And what about Shaden? I think Shaden falls out the top six or seven. It, it feels like it's trending that way. Yeah. And I was told that some people on the coaching staff were just talking about him mm-hmm. uh, in in the uh, in the uh, practice facility today. Or, well, I guess that's two days ago. And they're like, Shaden puts us in a tough situation because. You know, we haven't seen him play any basketball. And as much as we'd like to believe he's a fine basketball player, we just do not know. And I think Washington is in a position where of of if there's a team that could like take a chance on a guy like that, it's not Washington. It's like a golden state. It's like a team that has done something and has this is a very low risk move. And we we don't care that he hasn't played basketball. We can fix him or we can see we are the ones who can bring Andrew Wiggins out of Andrew Wiggins. We're the ones who can bring, you know, player X out of out of what like that's it. So I I think Washington is a spot where, hey, man, we want to get a guy that we know we don't want to have to go in. We're not uh, able to just swing at any pitch and, and hope that we make contact because we're, we're up so many runs where it's just, it's just not the, the case. So Shaden has put them in a tough spot. And on top of that, his, his whole off season movements, not just from a lack of basketball that we've seen standpoint, but like, why are you not sending medicals to us? Mm-hmm. Or why are you not doing competitive three? Like you would think if Shaden did not, play that once we came around to this time of the year, he could at least give some teams some full speed one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-threes. What are we afraid of at this point, right? What are we afraid of? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like, okay, so we're, so we're not going to see that either. Okay. That that's weird. So I don't, I don't know if Washington would take that chance with him. Um, I've heard that they're, they're in a tough spot when evaluating him. Now that's not saying if he does fall, they're not going to take him. That would be very anti-Washington way of moving that we have of course have seen but hey maybe maybe they do maybe they do but i i i think i like shaden i think i but also that i was thinking about this yesterday he could be just another high school guy who was top five in his class all throughout high school in eybl he was actually top 100 up until his second to last high school season so like he's even a later bloomer than most exactly he could have like what happened what would have happened if he went to kentucky and just was okay. You, there, we have seen number one guys just be okay in college, and then it's like, oh well, we thought he would have been good, but turns out he's not. That could be him. So just because people say, well, he was, I put up my rankings and I had Shaden Sharp five, and it was like, oh my gosh, how do you have Sharp five? Well, how do you have him one? How do you have him two? We like you just don't know. So it's 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 really weird. And also, it's like he's not knocking my socks off with these slow, hezzy behind the backs in yeah, the combine. Do. I'm like, that's not going to get past anybody. I want to see you go game speed. Like I, I really do. So if I think he falls up the top five, six, seven, if he was at ten, if I was watching, I would take him. But I am way more inclined to do wild stuff as a as a reporter as a fan of the team first like that's just me so i don't think they would do that but it would be very it almost kind of makes me feel like the year where cam reddish fell 
Mm-hmm. At least we saw Cam Reddish play basketball. It wasn't like it was great stuff said about him or his attitude, or his demeanor. But there was a lot of question marks around him, similar to like Shaden, very talented guy. But we don't know if he loves basketball. He falls and then you take Rui and then Cam goes right after him. That's kind of how I feel about Shane Sharp um, if he were to fall. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. A guy I trust a lot saw him in a Kentucky practice setting this year and said he was the best player on the floor. Heard the same wide thing. Margin. But yeah. also we heard, you know, similar reporting that he barely, were, you know, he barely practiced with them all year. So, right. OK, you looked good where while there were some GMs and some other coaches in the building, uh, you know, how valuable is that really is Intel at this point? Yeah, uh, it's going to be very interesting. Um, you know, we've heard a lot of the kind of scouting department say in the offseason here that they're looking for guys that they actually saw produce on the court this year that mm-hmm. and that's why the johnny davis one sort of makes a lot of sense to me as yeah. their pick and they've also said they don't care if a guy didn't shoot well so far it's can they put in the work with them to get them to shoot well and i think right. they feel confident that their coaching staff can develop that at least that particular skill set so uh, I'm kind of in the we're probably going to take Johnny Davis if we don't do anything camp because that's that's what, what that spells out to me. Um, yeah. Anybody that you're leaning toward that makes the most sense. I like Johnny Davis. I really do. And I think uh, guys who it's it's a catch 22 when evaluating college prospects because dudes will say, well, he shot poorly, so I don't know if I like him. But then you go back and watch his Wisconsin team and he played with me, you and, uh, you know, Zach Leonsis, like 27 year old Brad Davison, who'd had multiple shoulder, you know, replacement right. stuff like it. He's out there alone. Like uh, if you go look at his usage rate, I'm pretty sure his usage rate was above 30 percent. Like he did everything there. Uh, excuse me if you have a couple bad shooting nights or you're not efficient. I think one thing I, I, I would say happens with Johnny is that he benefits from spacing he benefits Mm -hmm. from less workload on him and it's not like he doesn't know how to play off the ball go back and look at his earlier years at wisconsin he wasn't always this guy that's just over there commanding everything he had to work for it for a little bit until he became the featured option so i think he'll benefit from less workload at the next level i think he's a really good pick at 10 of course i've gotten flagged for this but i don't care i love ochai baji like he doesn't have a ton of he doesn't have a ton of game off the dribble, which is something that you kind of want to see um, from anyone that you're bringing in now. Specialists are cool because you got but you already have like Kispert, who's your specialist. You you want some guys who can get their own buckets instead of sitting around and watching other guys go for it. Um, I don't think Ochai has that game quite yet, which is a little concerning because he's been in, in college for three years, but he can shoot the lights out. He can defend. He can dunk on you. He's a good cutter. I'm really high on him, but probably probably would would put Johnny above him. I wish I wish Benedict Matherin wasn't so excellent at everything. I wish he didn't talk so well He's in interviews. Guy. Yeah, yeah I, I wish he didn't interview so well. I wish his story wasn't so inspirational. I wish he I wish he didn't go to a great program like Arizona and stayed longer than just one year to really grow in that. pro. I wish none of that happened so that he could have fallen, because when you know, you first look at the mock drafts and all that stuff, you say, oh, they have Wizards taking Matherin at 10. Excellent. And then one day after the lottery, it's like, he's oh, Matherin, yeah, he's not going like if anybody's going top five, it's not Shane Sharp. It's probably Benedict Matherin and then everybody right. else. So. I love him. And if you wanted to trade up like from 10 to six seven. or seven, mm-hmm. I, I think you give up, of course, less than trading up for four and to get Ivy. And uh, you get a guy like Benedict Matherin, who I know. I mean, I've watched Benedict film with Brad before mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, my gosh, like this 
this is the guy like this. is This is the guy we probably should be looking at. Like he's high on Benedict Matherin, too. So he has a lot of skill. He's ultra bouncy. I anywhere he goes, I know I'm going to be a fan, but it would be so great to see him playing in the red, white and blue or the pink or whatever we're wearing this year. So I think he's the guy that's like the one person, the fan, like the front, uh, he's the one person the front office could take that the entire fan base would not like lose their shit about no matter what, yeah. there'll be like at least half of people that are out on the pick. He's the guy that seems like the most people have bought into. I think so. I think so. I mean, you could show his film to your, your grandfather and be like, who the, the bullets just got him. Like, yeah, <laughs> pop, pop, the bullets just picked him up like that. That's what it would be. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And the one thing I'd heard is that I think GMs had sort of a different impression of what what to expect from him in these interviews. And they thought mm-hmm. he'd be this nice, polished, you know, young man from Canada. And mm-hmm. he came in and was like cold blooded, like, now nah, I'm here to cut people's hearts out day one. Like I had a very tough upbringing. Like yeah. I, I'm I'm feeding multiple people in my family with this contract. Like, let's this, do it. He needs it. Like he he like you. You want hungry guys like yep. that. You don't want guys that are too cool for school. They're like. No, if you draft me or not, I don't care. Like this new, this new age kind of guys that we get with like the ball is life and the overtime errors. We're like, I'm just the, everybody loves me. I'm the social media star. Like, no, he, he goes and he gets it. Like, I I just love his attitude. It's funny because when you look, if you go back and watch his stuff, he really looks like Anthony Edwards. And I Mm -hmm. don't want to throw that around lightly because Anthony Edwards is a different, a different level of beast right now. And I think he's going to be, just fine for for a long time in the nba it's some people put out like my guy m grads on twitter who I, I love he's like he looks like uh he's michael jordan like he's the new michael jordan but when you really watch some of the stuff anthony edwards do, does you're like damn that kind of does look like jordan like he even mm-hmm. even kind of looks like jordan in the face a little bit but if you go and you, and you see matherin matherin and ant have the same exact jump shot mechanics and also like you see how high uh, Anthony gets on his jumpers because he's so explosive. Same thing with the two foot explosion from Matherin. Matherin also ran a ton of off ball cuts at Arizona, that pro style offense that they run a lot of shooting off of handoffs and all that stuff. That is so important to be able to have down at this next level, because that's how you're going to get on the floor sooner. If you can run those on the offensive end, because defensively he wants to guard everybody too. Like that's already going to, we saw Denny, Denny's offensive game, is a as a long ways away. Mm-hmm. Needs to improve his left hand. Doesn't finish at the rim, but he plays great defense, and that's why you look up and Denny's playing. You know, twenty six minutes a night, and he's playing every single game because you can defend. I love Matherin. I think he's going to be a re- like he really looks like Anthony Edwards. I don't want to put those expectations on him uh, because mentality and all that stuff is a different a different level in terms of like how good you are as a basketball player. But he he's got some ant in him for sure. And if that's the ceiling, like that's, that's a guy, like people talk about him, like he's some 25 year old super senior. And it's like, no, he's, he's actually really young and a late bloomer as well. Yeah. And uh, for me, I, I posted something about what his floor looks like in the NBA and his mm-hmm. shot profile, his second year in college was like identical to KCP's at Georgia, mm-hmm. his second year. And oh, KCP is a great defender. Well, actually KCP wasn't a good defender going into the draft. He was no. supposed to be this offensive guy. And because of his skill set, the same kind of height and build. If that's your floor too, I mean that's that's a pretty darn safe. Pick I like that me. pick. I like that pick. I like that pick. It's funny. I was listening to the Rosillo podcast too, and he was talking about defense and how he evaluates defense from collegiate guys. And he's mm-hmm. like, you know, my evaluation of defense is, you know, it, do you care about it? Like, do you yeah. want to put in the work to defend? Like, do I see that you that you are locking in and trying? Because mm-hmm. that's 
I mean, your best defenders are are the guys who are going to try hard. Like Kawhi could be one of the best one way players of all time, but he decided I'm going to be a two way guy. And it takes a different level of NBA player to say I'm going to commit to that end of the floor. So it's just if you want to put in the effort, you're not always going to. There are guys who are going to have the physical tools to defend like Sohan, for example, like he wants it and he also has all the tools to defend. Um, But if you if you're going to show me effort, that's that's half the battle defensively. And Larry's talked about it on the show a good amount too, like where you can't be like a great defender anymore in the NBA. It's just too hard to do it yeah, too. The, with the rules and how skilled people are. It's do you want to make life hard on other guys? And right. I think, you know, people have talked about Mather maybe not being actually as good defensively as everybody thinks, but he was really good when they needed him to be really good. Mm-hmm. And that tournament run, if you watch those games, it's like, holy shit, he was yep. locking dudes up. So I, I, I think that I'd be very happy with that pick. Um, all right. Last question, Quentin, I think before I get you out of here, Best case scenario, in your opinion, at the end of draft night, the Wizards walk out with X. Like, who who is that? Is it a vet? Is it a rookie? Is it a particular rookie? Who do you like? I think best case scenario, you walk out with Johnny Davis. Like if because I think there's still a little concern if Johnny's going to fall to 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know a lot of people have like a mixed review of him. But if you can get to 10 and get a guy like Johnny Davis, who can also have the ball in his hands a ton if needed, but you're probably going to bring him in to be off ball and, and just be a young guy that, you know, that can impact you positively, um, then, then go for it. But I think if you can get Johnny at 10, that, that I feel good about that walking away from it. I don't think Johnny is, is such a, a boom or bust guy. I think at the end of the day, you know, at, at the very least, he could be a solid rotation guy for, let's say, you know, 10, 10 years in the NBA. And that's fine. You need those kind of guys. But also he shows some potential and some flashes of putting it all on his back and being the feature option. So I think that's the best case scenario because, you know, all the trading up, it takes a lot to trade up. Mm-hmm. And trading in general takes a lot of schematics and X's and O's in terms of what matches and what doesn't. So if we're going to stay at 10, if I'm if I'm Washington and I can get Johnny Davis, I feel really good about that. Um, I, I think it even better case scenario would be Jay and I be at four if you can trade up. And uh, it, it depends on what you give up. If I think there's a really, there's a, it's all about negotiating, but there's a way in which you can really look good. Like, mm-hmm. I think you can look good. I was talking to some guys from Sacramento yesterday, you know, and they kicked around, you know, well, what if it's Coos or I gave this to them? I was like, well, what if, I know you're probably just going to do 10 and a young guy. 10 and Denny, 10 and like, it's not going to happen. And they've liked or, Kuzma before, supposedly. And they've liked Kuzma before. So look, you finally get Kuzma, we'll give you 10. And then what if what if it's a pick of, you know, between Denny and or Rui? I think that's a package where Sacramento can walk away to their fan base and be like, I feel pretty good about it. Maybe you tack on another pick down the road to kind of make them feel like they're walking out on the other side. Um, I think I think something like that is is a really good trade. It just depends on the market for four. Mm-hmm. I think the worst case scenario for me would be like if you trade down. People really won't got, receive that well. You're not going <laughs> to receive that well. Even if I kind of agree with the trader, if they get a, a good guy, like I, I like a lot of guys who are going to fall, you know, further down the board. Sure. Um, so it's it's not it's not terrible, but you're not in really a position to be trading down. Like you want to get the most talented guys because you're trying to win sooner rather than later. And if you feel even as Tommy Shepard that, you know, maybe Brad is leaning towards coming back. And of course, I mean, $63 million sitting in between leaving. Wouldn't or wouldn't so blame that, him. Yeah. That's a great incentive as well. But if, if you're Tommy, you're feeling like, okay, Brad's going to be here. 
let's go do this thing then. Like, let's, let's really like, as Tom, like everybody wants to say, well, Tommy's not a good GM or what is he dragging his feet for? And all this stuff. He hasn't made a big splash. You think Tommy Shepard is okay with just walking around here being uh, mediocre at best every single year? No, I think in his mind, he wants to be a winner too. And I think he knows that he is now on his second deal. Like this is when you start really establishing yourself as like when they call Tommy and the Wizards, it's no longer interim GM. Tommy Shepard or like kind of like the fill in before they hired Tim yeah. Conley or it's not like the fill in before they get substitute Masai teacher. Basically, yeah, it's not right? a substitute teacher. Like, no, this is that's Tommy's team over there. And he runs a tight ship and he's he's cutthroat. And he does like he's trying to give himself like a an identifying move or transaction. One that's not tied to, oh, thank God he got off of this contract or thank mm-hmm. God he was able to find Daniel Gafford in the in the weeds. No. Tommy Shepard traded this, this, this and this for four. They took a swing. They got Ivy. Now I'm looking at that team and I'm saying, ooh. That that's interesting. And then I guess my best, best scenario would be if you can get SGA. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I don't even really care about what the package looks like. If you can get Shea Gilgis Alexander and you compare him with Brad, I think everything else kind of figures itself out because we know that in the NBA, you just need talent. A lot of people want to talk about, oh, well, this role player and that role player. And I don't know, there's there's only one basketball and how are they going to coexist? I don't want to hear that. Because Clay Thompson could go somewhere fully healthy and have his own team. Draymond Green at one point in his prime could go somewhere and be like, well, if he wants to leave and get a super a max deal somewhere, he can do it. Steph Curry could do the same thing. When KD was there, we know KD can have the same team. They all shared the ball and they won rings. Mm-hmm. It's never too much talent on the floor. I don't care what your what your best skill is. I don't care if you're a ball handler. You need the most talent to win in the NBA. And if, if you're you winning, SGA, they'll make it work. Yeah. They'll make it work. They'll make it work. Like you don't want to be like, oh, well, we we won and we did it with one star. Like we we get two rings now because we only did it with one star and nothing else. No, you need the most talent you can get. If you can get SGA or if DeJounte's available, which he probably isn't, you do it. You just do it. You just get find ways to get good guys. That's what the best do, and that's why the best are celebrating still right now. I'm pretty sure Steph Curry is pointing at his ring once again. Like that's that's just how it gets done. They've made it to Vegas by now. They're just now hitting the tables. Like I'm with you. I think that's the ultimate. If if Tommy wants to talk about big swings, that's the biggest swing he could make. And it's the one I like the most. And to your point, if if Brad doesn't stay here longer term, you can still build around SGA. For sure. And, and, and he makes sense with the timeline of the rest of your guys too. Yeah. All right. I have one final question here for you. Uh, let's put yourself in the position of an NBA prospect who is being interviewed for one of these teams. I'm going to Mm. give you kind of a wild question here that I know teams like to ask players, or at least a variant of how many basketballs can you fit in capital one arena? Is that a question that they're being asked? They ask stuff like that. How many basketballs could you fit in this room? They like to see, you know, what kind (laughs) of like crazy outside the box thinker you are and any guess. How many basketballs can I fit in capital one arena? Yeah. Are we talking Spaldings? Are we talking Wilson? You know what I'm saying? It's it's, it's a little different. It's that's a little right. Different. A little extra padding on the on the rubber. Yeah. Um, I'll probably I don't know. I'll probably say uh, what's a lot of basketballs. Um, Capital One Arena is a it's a big place. It's a big place. You got bathrooms. You got closets. I'll say um, what sixty thousand? Uh, I was gonna say a million. I have really. Have I was no gonna idea. say a million, but I feel like that's a lot of basketballs. My girls over here saying what. 60 million. That's a lot of 60 million basketballs. For us, that's a lot of basketballs. It is a huge place, though. I'll probably go like, like even outside, like the entire, yeah, the hallways and all that. I, it has to be in the millions. You're right. I would say like 1.5. 
I think that's a smart move. It's got to be like at least a seven-digit number. And if anybody out there is really good at uh, building models or anything and they <laughs> want to put this together and do the math for us, uh, we, we'd love to know the answer. Absolutely. Quinn, thank you for the time. P- please tell people where they can find your work. I'm assuming if they're listening to this podcast, they follow the Wizards closely, so they already know where to find yeah. your work. But just in case they don't, uh, where, where can we hear more from you? I appreciate that. I appreciate you having me on first and foremost, but you can find me on social media at Real Quentin Mayo, just how it sounds. Um, also, I've been on my Substack writing. It's unfortunate that when I write, it's kind of like big news. Like I want to be more of like a day-to-day writer and get back into time. that bag. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time. But after it took me two days to put out this recent report, I'm like, you know what? Let's let's get back to in the swing of things of writing. So my Substack is is m a y o h mayo dot Substack s u b s t a c k dot com. You can subscribe on there, and then uh, I do a gambling show for BetMGM uh, Monday through Friday, seven to eleven p.m. So you can check us out on Twitch, twitch.tv slash betql. And if you want to win some money, we're winning some money over there. So we we do a little bit of everything uh, right now. But I appreciate the support. I appreciate you reaching out. Bringing me on, I told you this in the uh, in our messages, but just I don't know how I haven't been following you. So so seeing you know uh, me having to follow you because I'm like, dang, I feel like I've been following you before. You're always on my timeline, always really good stuff and really good breakdown. So I'm a fan of your work and I'm a fan of this show and Larry Hughes as well. I had a it's funny before you all started your podcast, I did an interview with Larry. I want to say right when I got to NBC. So this might have been a couple years ago, maybe. Wow, maybe three years ago, two and a half, three years ago. And I did an interview with Larry. I had this janky uh, MacBook Air that uh, it was on his last leg. I had just bought a microphone and I was like, I'm going to bring Larry Hughes on the show. He's going to be my first big guest and I'm going to pick his brains about, um, you know, everything Wizards. And it was like an hour long conversation. I asked him about, you know, best players to play with, all that stuff. I'm like, oh, this interview is going to be great. And right on the last question after Larry answered, my entire computer shut down. No. Computer shut down, lost the entire recording. And uh, that was like our second tr- time trying to film it. So I hit him up and I said, Larry, I, I'm sorry. Is there any time that we could do it again? And uh, he, I don't think he got back to me. I don't think uh-huh. he got back to me, but I understood like, dang, I, I did him. I did him dirty. He didn't want to waste his time. He's about to go to a basketball camp or something, but I got to apologize to him when I get a chance. We will, we will fix that this season. We'll, <laughs> we'll have to have you back. Um, Larry is supposed to be back full swing this upcoming season. Yeah. Uh, so that that's the plan. We will definitely make this happen again. If you're willing to do it I'm for sure, sure we, can, we can fix that uh, for sure. Will we hear more of the Quentin Mayo show this season for blue wire? We will. We will. We will. Blue Wire has been hitting me up to like, yo, hey, we need it. So we will. Um, I want to it's it's great that we got back. We got together before draft because that was the initial things like maybe post draft. We can hop in. But this news came. Uh, it will be back. I'm going to start um, the streams again, too, but it's going to be on the weekend, um, possibly. Uh, but the podcast is coming back. Game recaps. The draft podcast is going to be a doozy. I already know. I, I have a feeling it's going to be a good one, but we will be back. I guess this is season two. Um, just trying to manage some things with my job. But we, we're coming back, though. I appreciate that. You're juggling a lot of balls there. So I, I, I can yeah. imagine that's hard to fit in time for, it's a lot. for all the things. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, all right. Again, everybody, if you're not following Quentin, make sure to do so. Uh, thanks, man. Appreciate the time. And thanks look for forward to talking to you again here pretty soon. Appreciate it. Uh, that was pretty good. I, uh, I think Quentin, you can tell he talks for a living. He just uh, very smooth, very polished, really good insight there. A lot of different stuff that that we really haven't heard. So appreciate him kind of sharing some of that news on the podcast here too. And it was really good to kind of drill down in, into this. You know, you can write about something in a Substack, but being able to talk about it, add a little bit more to it, I think um, just adds even additional layers of, of context and 
and things to it. So uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. And uh, yeah, well, hopefully we can, we can see some moves on draft night. I think, you know, for me, I just want to see something exciting happen, whatever that looks like uh, and, and have a little bit of just like buzz going into next season. And I, I think just trading down to 17 or whatever the case may be is not going to be the move that kind of like brings me excitement for next season, but whatever it is, if you can get a big time guard of some sort, uh, you can have a healthy Brad, healthy KP, keep Kuzma, Rui's back for a full year. He and Denny make a jump. I think that's something I could talk myself into being excited about. I, you know, it's probably not a championship contending team, but I'm not greedy. I just want like a good team with some hope for the future to root for. And I think I could sell myself on that. Uh, Conley, maybe not the move that, that does a lot of excitement adding there too, because you'd have to give up a lot of people to make the salaries match. So I don't know, a healthy Brogdon, maybe I could get behind that, but we'll see what this actually looks like. I did mention on the show there, the movie Hustle with Adam Sandler. I've been throwing out things to watch this summer now that uh, NBA basketball is officially over. If you haven't checked it out, pretty good. Surprisingly, pretty good. Uh, A lot of NBA cameos. It was like the basketball equivalent of Entourage. I think just everybody in the NBA wanted to like pop up on the screen at some point. I did hear a funny story from Fran Fraschilla, who is in the movie kind of briefly there, that they originally wanted Luka Doncic to play the main character, but he like has too much fun just like hitting the beaches in the summer and didn't want to like do like grinding training montages the entire time they filmed. So uh, it stars Juancho Hernan Gomez for the Utah Jazz. He's like actually pretty good in it. And yeah, kind of one of the better basketball movies for the last couple of years. So that's my plug for them. If you haven't checked it out uh, again, please follow Quentin on uh, all social media platforms. Check out the show. Like you said, bet MGM tonight. Uh, Quentin Mayo show on Blue Wire Pods. Really good stuff there. Like I said, I hope we get more of those this season. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can have him back here once we uh, you know have some more stuff to talk about later this offseason. As always, we were presented by betonline.ag. If you haven't rate, reviewed, subscribed, any of that good stuff, um, please do that. We appreciate that. And we'll take uh, any feedback you have or questions or you know offseason topics or things you want to hear about or people you want to hear from. Uh, always try to answer those requests as best we can. So As always, this is Believe in Wizards, and we will catch you next time. money on your outdoor project now at menards we have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat right now all fvp lawn and garden and marine batteries are on sale through may 5th check out our entire selection of fvp batteries today and view our weekly flyer on menards.com for more great deals